0: Good morning. My name is Ian Ray. This is Harvest Church and it's the 29th of May. It's great to have you with us. Whether you are exploring faith, whether you don't believe, whether you do believe, we're immensely grateful to have you with us here this morning. Let's just spend a moment in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your word to reflect on the truths that govern our lives. And we ask that you would be with us and that you would inspire us and open our eyes to these truths so that we can see how they can change our lives and how we can apply them to our everyday life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is the second in our Romans series. Craig got us started last week and we're still in the introduction So today we're going to be looking at verses 7 to 17. So I'm going to read to you that passage, Romans chapter 1, verses 7 to 17. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, in other words, those who were not part of the Greek culture, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith For faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is God's word. Many years ago, I used to go and watch my son playing rugby when he was still at school. And I used to get to know some of the other dads who were doing the same thing. And there was one particular dad that I felt a little bit intimidated by, because he was very successful, he was very confident, he was very independent. It didn't seem like he would have any need for God. And I suspected that he would probably find any talk about God and our need for him as a little bit foolish. So I held back a little bit from talking about my faith with this friend of mine. Fortunately, he had another friend, uh, a far more long-standing friendship. And that person had been having faith talks with my friend. With the result that on one Sunday, after I'd finished preaching and the service had come to an end, I sat down and I felt this tap on my shoulder. And it was this friend of mine. And he said, Ian, I just want you to know that I've started bringing my family to your church. His wife was a, a Christian, incidentally. It was just quite amusing that he said, your church. Anyway, he was true to his word. And he started coming regularly. And then a couple of Sundays down the line, he came to me before the service and he said, last Sunday, you led us in a prayer of commitment to God. And I prayed that prayer. From now onwards, I am going to be following Jesus Christ. And I was, I mean, you could have just knocked me over with a feather. I was so gobsmacked. And I was amazed also to see the radical change and transformation in this man's life. He really became a new creation. He became somebody completely different. And it was tremendously satisfying and exciting to see it happening. And when I saw that change in my friend, I wondered why I had held back before on having faith conversations with him talking about things a little bit deeper than the surface level and the truth is that our culture doesn't really approve of doing that because faith is seen very much as a personal thing you'll hear guys saying yes I do have a faith but I don't talk about it oh, I don't go to church, or I don't do this, or I don't do that. It's between me and God. It's very personal. So our culture and our society does frown on this idea of talking about our own personal faith with other people. And, and what it frowns down on even more is the thought that I would claim that my beliefs were the truth and that you should change your beliefs with my and, and, and adopt my beliefs. Our society is very strong against that. And so with the result that we don't often make an effort to talk about our faith to other people. Now, there's another area where culture influences us very strongly. And it has to do with belonging to a local church and to the church universal, the body of Christ around the world. People with a Western view, worldview and culture tend towards independence. We don't like interdependence where we are part of a bigger picture where I rely on you and you rely on me and together we're able to do more than we could do as individuals. No, we very much tend towards independence. We, We don't necessarily value community and the extended family as much as other people do in other cultures. And inevitably, This influences our commitment to the local church and the way that we relate to it and the way that we relate to the universal church. So, what we need to do this morning, considering these two areas the the reluctance in our society to talk about matters of faith, the independence that is idolized in some ways in our society what we need to do is we need to find out what the Bible says about these things because the Bible must shape our beliefs? What does it have to say about what we call evangelism? We'll talk more about this later. What what does it have to say about our relationship to other Christians? And to be honest, Paul has a lot to say. Um, And we're going to find that in today's passage. I've divided it into two main sections. You can see it there on your screen. Verses 7 to 13, he's talking about Paul and the Romans. And this has to do with our relationship to the local church. And then Paul and evangelism, verses 14 to 17. Let, let's have a look at the first. How does Paul relate to the church in Rome? Now, don't forget, he's never been to Rome. He hasn't even planted that particular church. He wasn't a pioneer when that church was established. He's he just never been to Rome. And yet this is what he says first. See it there in verse 8? It's on the screen. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. The Roman church was obviously having a widespread impact on Christianity. And as Western Christians, we often approach the way we serve in the church from an individualistic rather than a team perspective. So rather than celebrating the successes of other people, or other churches that we haven't been involved in, we actually start to feel a little bit threatened by them, but not Paul, Even though the influence of the Roman church could not be linked to him personally, directly to his input, he gave thanks for it in his prayers. And so we should do the same thing. When we see other people growing in the faith and getting involved and um, producing fruit for the kingdom, let's celebrate their successes and not be concerned or threatened in ourselves or insecure. So Paul is thankful for the Romans. We're talking about his relationship with the church and with other Christians. Then we learn that Paul prays for the Romans. He says, for God is my witness. They don't know him. They have no experience of him. And so he calls on God as his witness. Um, for I call, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, without ceasing, I always remember you in my prayers. Can you see the repetition? I mention you always in my prayers. Notice that phrase. Notice that phrase, without ceasing. Notice that word, always folks this is a remarkable thing and i want you to get it we can participate in god's work by serving him in prayer and that's a spiritual activity it's not something that we're doing with our hands it's it's not necessarily anything that is visible paul after all had to call on god's witness But nevertheless, it is significant. Things happen when we pray. Things happen that otherwise would not have happened if we hadn't prayed. And so we serve God. We participate with Him by praying. Folks, let's pray for our church. Let's pray for our fellow church members. Let's pray that they succeed and that they produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And let's pray of other Christians I uh, beg your pardon let's pray for other Christians that we know around the world, other churches that we might have even a remote connection with. Let's pray for them. This is how we relate to the local church overcoming this independence, this "I am a rock, I am an island," kind of mentality. Paul is thankful. Paul prays. And then, thirdly, Paul seeks to serve the Romans. Ask him in his prayers for the Romans, that somehow by God's will, so he's seeking God's will in all of this, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul, Paul longs to see the Romans. I mean, he's never met these people, but he longs to see them. And then sometimes I think we we just need to contrast that with our own attitude to the church. Sometimes we're happy to to come to our local church maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. Flip, I mean, here's Paul longing to be with the Romans that he's never met. Wouldn't we also desire to have that same longing for our local church? So Paul longs to see the Romans, but, but why? Why does he want to see them? Well, it says here, because he wants to build them up. In his own words, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Folks, when you serve at Harvest, with the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the resources that God has given to you, you build other people up. We become interdependent. We depend on one another. And the result is is far greater than the sum of the parts. But there's more to this. Not only will you build others up, but you will also be built up. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I was chatting to a friend of mine who comes to Harvest, and she says, I just love coming to church on a Sunday morning because the faith is contagious. We build one another up. And as Paul prays about how to serve the Romans, we've already seen that he seeks God's guidance. He says that somehow by God's will, and as he seeks God's will, he also makes plans to go and see the Romans. He says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I've, been in, I've intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Folks, the topic of guidance, look, it's a wide topic. It's quite a complicated one and, and we don't want to get sidetracked at the moment. But suppose you've just become a Christian and you want to figure out how to serve God at harvest in your local church. Or maybe you've tried in the past and you just, you know, you just couldn't really find your groove. You couldn't find your mojo serving. What I learned from this is that seeking to serve God is a process. Sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes we realize that we don't have the gifts that we thought we had. We thought we had a fantastic voice, but, but eventually we discovered that we weren't singing in tune. Who knows? But if God, if Paul, I beg your pardon, had to stick at it and he had to deal with some disappointments, then so will we. But we will progress If we don't give up and if we don't give in to our inclination towards independence. So that's the first section. And from the section on Paul and the Romans, Paul inspires us to love his church. He inspires us with his love for the church. If you've already decided to follow Jesus, then just ask God to give you the same heart for Christians that Paul had. And then you will have a desire to be with them and to serve them and to pray for them. And, and if you're still exploring, I just hope that you will see today um, in Paul's love, a reflection of the love that God has for you as an individual. Let's dive now into the second section, which has to do with Paul and evangelism. What is evangelism? Maybe You're visiting us for the first time. Maybe you haven't been a Christian for very long. Uh, Maybe you're still exploring. What is evangelism? Well, on your screen, there's this amazing quote. I think it just makes so much sense. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. So it's telling other people about what Jesus has done for you, how much he means to you, it's, it's having conversations about faith. God wants us to share our faith because he loves people so much. And we're the ones that show them the way to experience God's love. If we don't do that, then they don't have the opportunity to experience God love, God's love in the same way that we have. But maybe you're a Christ follower who struggles to let people know what Jesus has done in your heart. I just want to encourage you to share the wonder of what the Lord has done in your life with people that God brings across your path. Or maybe you're here and you don't even know Christ yet. You've been invited by a friend or you found us online. We trust that you will meet Jesus today and come to know him as the one who loves you and gave his life for you. Regardless of where you are, on the journey of faith. It's obvious that Paul was passionate about evangelism. Just look at what Paul says about evangelism. He uses the word bound. I am bound. He says I am eager. He says I am not ashamed. Why is he so passionate about evangelism? Well, firstly, he sees the gospel as a debt that he owes to the world. He says, I am under obligation. The the Greek word for obligation means literally a debt. So Paul owes a debt to every person who has not heard the good news, the gospel, the message about Jesus. Think of it this way. If Tony gives me $100 to give to Craig when I next see him, I owe Craig a debt until I have passed that hundred dollars on to him. And so just as I would be under obligation to pass that money on to Craig, we are under obligation to pass on the message of the good news about Jesus to other people. And for the same reason, Paul was eager to preach the gospel to the Romans. But there's a second reason why he was passionate About evangelism. First of all, he saw it as a debt that he owed, something that he'd been given to pass on to other people. Then, secondly, he saw the gospel as God's power for salvation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why am I not ashamed? It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Just a a short explainer there. Why would he say to the Jew first? and then to the Gentile. Well, the Jews were first in line simply because God chose to start revealing himself to them first as his chosen people. But the plan was to use the truth that he had revealed to Israel as a springboard to launch the gospel and the good news to all of humanity. Now, back to the second reason for Paul's passion. The gospel is powerful Because it carries the power of God. Not to condemn humans, not to destroy humans, but to save them. Folks, if we have personally experienced the power of God to change us, and if we've seen how the power of God can change other people like that hard nut friend of mine, why wouldn't we want to tell others where to find that bread of life why wouldn't we want to participate in god's plan to transform other people so that they can enjoy quality of life as children of god so the gospel is god's power to save and transform us but that process can only begin when we are put into right standing with god so the gospel is a debt it's god's powerful salvation but it also needs to put us into right standing with God. And so Paul was passionate about the gospel because it reveals God's righteousness. Verse 17, For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. We're going to see as we progress through Romans that every human has rebelled against God and wronged him. We've lost our right standing with God. There's some sort of a barrier in our relationship and that relationship needs to be restored. Think of a man who swindles his business partner or, or think of a wife who has an affair. The right standing that she has with her husband has been lost. She has betrayed him. She's hurt him deeply and we've done the same thing to God. Now, for God to be righteous... He must be just and punish us for our rebellion. But God is also merciful and loving. And though his righteousness requires him to punish, he also wants to forgive and to restore the relationship. And God does this by giving us his own righteousness, the righteousness of God. How? well we 're going to learn from Romans that he gives us his own righteousness in the form of christ 's perfect record. He says, "Your record is all messed up you 've lived your life in rebellion to me you 've said i don 't want you to be involved in my life i don 't want you to be a part of my life, and if i 'm going to be just then I'm going to need to separate you from me because that's what you've asked for, and that's what death is. Death is being separated eternally from the presence of God. It's the just punishment for what we've always asked in the first place. And so we have this messed up record. But God says, You know what? You can receive my righteousness. I've sent my son to live the perfect life, and you can get that perfect record. On the basis of faith, we don't pay for that perfect record by working because it would be impossible, we'd never be able to come up with the price. We receive it as a free gift, as a present from God through faith. So, what the gospel does is it reveals the way to be put right with God, and it tells us that it's only possible to do it through faith. But why does Paul write that it's from faith, for faith, or in some translations, from faith, to faith, faith, I beg your pardon? You're put into right standing with God the very moment you receive Christ's perfect record. And that happens on the basis of faith. You say, Father God, I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning away from self-management. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place I believe that you can give me his perfect record and put me into right standing with you. That all happens by faith. However, walking with God every day also requires faith. (laughs) It requires you to trust him rather than the things that you used to put your trust in. Maybe it was money or power or success, all of those things. When we walk with God on a daily basis, when we're obedient to him on a daily basis, it requires trust. So having that personal relationship with God starts with faith and it continues with faith. It is from faith to faith. And Paul backs this up with a quote from a prophet called Hosea. He says, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. When you weren't in right standing with God, you were in a state that the Bible describes as being unrighteous, which means that you were dead to God. You couldn't relate to him just as a corpse cannot relate to a living person. But when you received God's righteousness through faith, you became righteous and came alive. And then as you continue to trust God every day, you live. Let's spend a moment just casting our minds back over some of the things that we've learned today. The first thing we learned was that our inclination as Western people is to be independent. We don't enjoy being dependent on other people and we don't like other people to be dependent on us. That whole thing of interdependence is just a little bit uncomfortable for us. But unfortunately that influences the way that we relate to our local church and also to the church universal. So we learn from Paul that in our relationship with the local church we need to be thankful. We need to celebrate the successes and the fruit that other people and other Christians are producing. Let's not be intimidated by it. Let's be thankful for it. We also learned that Paul was constantly in prayer for other Christians. In that sense, he was serving them by praying and working with his spirit, if you like. It was like a spiritual work rather than a physical work. And so he was serving them through prayer. And we can do the same thing. Things will happen that would otherwise not have happened if we hadn't prayed. And so we need to spend time quietly by ourselves praying for our local church, praying for the church at large, praying for other Christians. And then thirdly, Paul is very strong uh, on the idea that he wants to serve other Christians, not only because what he does will bless them, but in the process of serving them, he will also be blessed. So that was the first aspect of what we had a look at today. Then the second aspect was the fact that our Culture makes it a little bit difficult to share our faith with other people, to get involved in what Paul calls, or what Christians call, evangelism, which we said was simply one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. Folks, that's what we're about. We want to chat to other people about the amazing source of life that we found in Jesus Christ. We want to tell them about it. We want to share it with them. And the reason why we do it is, we learn from Paul, is that it's a debt. God has actually given us the message about Jesus, the good news about Jesus, to pass on to other people. It's like money being given to me to pass on to someone else. Until I've passed on that message, I am in debt. I beg your pardon, that money, I'm in debt to that person. And then the gospel is God's power for salvation. Folks, we want to be transformed we want to leave behind those old things that drag us down. And it's, this, it's the gospel that does it because it is God's power for salvation to change us and to transform us and likewise to do the same thing for other people. And then the gospel is also the revelation of God's righteousness. It shows us how we our relationship with God can be restored, how we can be put into right standing with him and move forward with a personal relationship with him on a daily basis. Let's pray. Father God, Holy Spirit, we invite you just to work with us as we spend a few moments in quiet. Please bring to mind those things that you want us to change, those things that you want us to know that have come out of this teaching. father god help us to put what you want us to do into practice give us the wisdom to do it and we we just look forward to your blessing in the week ahead and ask that you would help us to be a blessing to others and we pray all of this in the precious name of jesus thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to spending time with you again in the near future goodbye for now